Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 39. I am Kevin Powell. Thank you for tuning in on this episode. Matt Verderam from Fansided joined me. He's a national NFL reporter. He's been on plenty of times before, and we get to lots of Bears stuff. Roquan has returned to Bears camp. He will play out this year on the final year of his rookie contract after things got pretty nasty between Roquan and the Bears front office. He will play this season. Uh, we get into Matt Eberflus and the new coaching staff's approach uh, to this team and what we've liked, what we've heard from Matt Eberflus that we like, the style of play he wants the Bears uh, to play. So get into some of that, some of Justin Fields, what we think the Bears can do to help him succeed this season, um, and some other Bears notes as well, some of the players that have caught Matt's eye throughout camp. And then we'll get into some national stuff too. Just a look around the NFL as we're about three weeks away from the start of the regular season. This is episode 39 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's my conversation with Matt Verderam. Now joining me on the podcast is national NFL reporter at Fansided, Matt Verderam. He's been on the podcast plenty of times. We're closing in on the regular season, less than three weeks to go. It's exciting, but it's also a point of camp, Matt, where I think we're all just so ready for the season to start. There's been, you can only beat the same stories for so long throughout camp, but I know there's plenty of uh, great storylines too. But man, this is a two, three week stretch where you're just like, I want the football season to start. Oh, no, absolutely. Listen, it, it's fun. Like preseason, when it starts and the Hall of Fame game happens, most football fans rejoice. And they say, this is awesome. Football. <laughs> and then they see three plays of the Hall of Fame game. They say, oh, it, it's not really football. Right, I forgot. I go through these emotions every year. And then you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Now, you know, it depends also who you root for. Like some of these teams don't even play their stars. So then you're really sitting there and you're you're watching essentially a couple of roster battles. Or you have a team that starts some starters and you're just praying they don't get hurt. Um, so, yeah, I think most people are like, okay, we got one more week of preseason to get through. Let's get through it and let's get to the regular season. Well, that leads me into my first Bears-related question because today Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, says that uh, they will play the starters quite a bit, too. Uh, likely the entire first half. Uh, the Bears play the Browns Saturday night, their preseason finale. That means Justin Fields likely plays the first half. Roquan Smith, who we'll get to in a minute. Um personally, I think it's a team-by-team thing. Everything you just laid out, right? I don't think there's one correct way of approaching the preseason. I think if you have a a veteran, proven NFL quarterback, sure, fine with with not starting him a ton of games or even risking injury, anything like that. As for the Bears, look, I'm okay with it. I think there's still a ton of question marks uh, with the offensive line, with the offense. It's a new system. Justin Fields, first year starting um, as the number one quarterback with the Bears. I think it's a team-by-team thing. Um, what do you think about the Bears playing the starters as much as they're they're planning on playing them Saturday night? 
I think, like you said, it is a team-by-team thing, and it makes a lot of sense for the Bears. But the Bears need to figure out as much as possible for the end of September. And they also need to give guys as many reps as possible. Like, in the age field, it's not so much you're figuring out anything right now. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you're looking at, okay, you know, we like this type of play a little bit more than this type. But you know he's going to be the starter. You, you know, you have a general idea of where he's at and what you like to do going into September. But I do think if you're a young team, you know, whether no, they're not you're the Bears or even if, you know, the Falcons and Jets, we saw play on Monday night. Um, you know, those teams, they need the reps, quite frankly. They need to get out there and, and get a little familiarity with each other and, and, and understand where they are. So I don't blame even Fools for doing that. I, I think he's right. Um, you know, the, the Bears need work. They, starters-wise, Looked rough against Kansas City. They looked much better against Seattle. Obviously, those two teams are on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how good they may be this season. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity for the Bears. Get some work in, and then in a couple weeks, you play a 49ers team that, frankly, could be anywhere from a decent team to a Super Bowl team, depending on how good Trey Lance is. So, that's, I'm glad you mentioned the 49ers and Trey Lance. Look, Trey Lance... I think top to bottom has a better, and I'm just doing it because we're here in Chicago and it's Justin Fields and same draft class and all of that, but I feel like there's a lot more benefit of the doubt. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I feel like there's a lot more positive thinking around Trey Lance than there is Justin Fields, and that could be the roster that's around Lance compared to Justin Fields and all of that, but it feels like people, and you probably have a better pulse of the national um, thought on Trey Lance, but we haven't seen much from him. I feel like people are very high on him and not so much Justin Fields, which I understand. The offense for the Bears has been very bad. Their offensive line has a ton of question marks. But how do you view the 49ers and, and Trey Lance in that first-week matchup for the Bears? Well, you know, this is a situation to me where it is about the rosters. It is about the surroundings. Like, I, If you put Justin Fields on the Niners, I feel like a lot of people would talk the same way about him that they are about Lance. If you look at the Niners, it'd be Bosanial. They have Kittle. They have Trey Williams at left tackle. You know what that offense they're going to run the football. They have an offensive-minded head coach who a lot of people feel is a savant on that side. I don't know that I'd go quite that far, but I think Shanahan's a very good offensive mind. Um, the Bears have a defensive-minded head coach. You've never seen him coach a game. You don't know what that's going to look like. They do have questions on the offensive line. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a, a Kittle at yeah. tight end. So I think a lot of it is just situational. Like, I... I was talking um, recently to Jared Payton about the Bears and said, I, you know, I think, look, I love Fields. I love his talent. I really do. Dating back to his time at Ohio State, I think Justin Fields can be a really, really good player. My concern is just, is he going to have the opportunity to shine? Maybe he will. Maybe the Bears will be a little better than we think, and maybe they'll they'll be able to kind of figure it out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think with he and Lance – I think it's more just about the situation than it is, oh, this guy's so much more talented than the other one. I don't believe that. In fact, I, I actually feel there's a, a better skill set, quite honestly, but I don't know if that'll show based on what's around them. Let's get to the Roquan Smith situation. He doesn't have a certified Players Association agent. He has some financial advisor, associate kind of representing him, and then there was talks that maybe he was calling around the league trying to get trades going and all of that. It was, it's was, it been sort yeah. of a, a weird 
drama between Roquan and the front office. I said this, though, like somebody asked me, like, how significant it was that Roquan was back. Is it good that Roquan is back playing? Of course it is. He's a great linebacker. The defense will be better with Roquan on the field, without a doubt. But it's not like... We're not talking about a franchise quarterback here, you know? I don't think the win total in Vegas for the Bears changed at all with the word that Roquan Smith would be playing out this season. So I think it's significant that they have their best defensive player and probably their best overall player on the field. Um, But this drama between Smith and the Bears is far from over. I don't know what it's going to mean moving forward when it came to the you know, contract breakdown between Ryan Poles and Roquan Smith. It got kind of ugly. What did you think of the Roquan situation? And I guess moving forward for Ryan Poles, what what do you think it means? Well, I think it means they're probably going to have this dance again after the season. If Smith goes out and plays really well, he's probably getting tagged. And he's obviously not going to like that. And they're going to have to do this again. Now, look, if he wants to get paid like Shaquille Leonard, if he wants to get paid like Fred Werner, he's going to go out and play like those guys. I mean, he, he is a very, very good linebacker. I don't think he's as good as Shaquille Leonard. I don't think he's as good as Fred Werner. Like, if you want to get paid to that level, the absolute top of the, of the mark, go have an all-pro season. Go, go go be a first or second team all pro. Go go be that level of a player where you can't be denied. Where there's no argument. When you show up at Ryan Poles' doorstep, you say, "Hey, look, I did this. You pay me now. You pay me now, or we really go to war over this." Um, I mean, they need that. Now, look, I also agree with you. Him coming back is a very good thing for the Bears. He is. You make a very good argument. The best player. Okay, I look at that though, and also agree with you in the sense: is that going to really shift their win total? Very few things do. Like, I look at some of the contenders around the league this season. Devontae Adams got traded out of Green Bay. And guess what? They're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They didn't even replace him. They didn't even try to replace him. Like, in Kansas City, they traded only Tyree Kill. And Kansas City went in a lot of books from 10-to-1 odds to win the Super Bowl to 10-to-1 odds to win the Super Bowl. And now have better than 10-to-1 odds in most books to win the Super Bowl. Like, it doesn't... The only thing in football that truly changes the calculus of your team is your quarterback. Yep. And, you know, I, I think that's that's the reality. Now, obviously, if the whole team around a great quarterback stinks, I mean, it is what it is. But if you have even an average roster in today's game and you have an elite quarterback, you're doing a lot of football games. So, um, so I think for the Bears, the exciting thing is you have Roquan Smith back now. You hope Eddie Jackson kind of bounce back a little bit. I think Brisker looks like he could be a very, very good player, provided he stays on the field. Um, it seems like they have some building blocks down the middle of the defense. But, yeah, I, you know, they've got to find a way. If Smith plays well this year, you've got to find a way to keep him. Like, you have to find some, even if it's compromising on structure guarantees. And, well, that's why you're going to mess. But you have to do yeah, no, I agree, and and he'll have a chance to have you know per, to play in the same system at the same spot as Shaquille Leonard. So if he has a monster year, Matt Eberflus isn't going to want him want him to leave Chicago. And look, Roquan said he requested a trade and all of that. I that was just a publicity move. That was a negotiation tactic by Roquan. I think if Roquan had his choice, he'd stay in Chicago forever and be a bear forever as long as he's getting paid what he thinks he should be be getting paid. Yeah. Um, 
So look, I look. I've keep I've kept calling it like a foundational year for Ryan Poles in the front office. I still think they've could they could have added more around Justin Fields. There are a ton of question marks at the offensive line. One thing I do like though, and Matt Eberflus has said he's not afraid to play younger players, and. I'm not necessarily saying I have examples of other teams doing that and a ton of players succeeding or anything, but the year the Bears are in, it's like, well, you know, I, it's the fine line of helping Justin Fields, but also, you know, taking a big step forward for the organization and and creating some core players, and and we really see that on the offensive line. They added Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, the two veterans, which was much needed considering how young the offensive line was. And they're kind of moving guys all over, Matt. Tevin Jenkins is now getting reps at, at right guard. Braxton Jones, the rookie, might end up being the starting left tackle. Uh, Larry Borum could start at right tackle. Personally, I think Riley Reef still wins that one of the tackle jobs. If it would be at this point, I think it would be right tackle. I think they're trying to see what they have there. But I do like that the Bears are trying different things out with younger guys because it's sort of a why-not situation, right? See what you got. Create some competition. You know what? To the Bears. What do you gain by playing all their guys? You gain nothing. You gain nothing. You're not winning the Super Bowl, so you're not making the playoffs. You gain nothing. So, I mean, you're right. And I can give you a handful of examples. Now, granted, these are, these are all-time teams, or at least became all-time teams. I'm not saying it's going to be happens in Chicago, although I'm sure Bears fans will love it. But the 1981 49ers played a million young kids. I mean, that team, if you go back and look, the 81 Niners, like Ronnie Lott's a rookie. Montana's in his third year and was like barely played up at that point. They, their entire secondary, I think three of the four starters were rookies. Like, they, they, you know, Keena Turner was a rookie at the time. They played young kids. And they just said, look, we, we believe in these kids. We're going to play them. We're going to let it out now. Of course, again, they went on one Super Bowl, um, you know, and, and shocked the world that year. But another example of a team that did not immediately shock the world and became a great team was the 90s Dallas Cowboys. That team was awful early. Awful. The first year Jimmy Johnson's there, they went 1-15. Troy Haven didn't win a game. They played all these young kids with all the picks they got from the Herschel Walker trade. And the Cowboys said essentially, look, this is the team we're going to sink or swim with going forward. We're going to play these kids. And it obviously worked out for them. But I, I always believe when you're in a spot like the Bears, you are far better off playing young kids and finding out what you have, you don't know. Some guys look great in practice, and then they get in the game, and they just can't cut it. And other guys, they kind of look like, eh, it's all right. And then the lights come on, and for whatever the reason, those guys perform better. You you find out more about you. You also find out like who gets better throughout the year. Who's the guy who's learning? Who's the guy who's not? You know, who's that stuff matters. And if you're Chicago, I think that evaluation is far more important this year than whether or not they win four games or six games. And that's, that's ultimately, historically, almost irrelevant outside of draft order. You need to know who you can count on moving forward. Yeah, look, as for as much as I don't think the Bears are going to be great this year, and that's because of the, the roster and the talent and just where they are as an organization, I'm still just fascinated to see what this season turns into. The development of Justin Fields. How does Matt Eberflus handle the head coaching spot? What does Luke Getze bring as a play caller? Because, look, right. the, the, the past few years, they didn't help their quarterbacks out when it came to play calling and scheme. They did not. They they were horrible at that. I'm talking about the Matt Nagy regime. Luke Getze might have been the best addition this offseason for the Bears. Um 
Because if you're not going to beat teams with talent, they've got to figure out something scheme-wise to at least put a respectable product out there. And most importantly, help Justin Fields get into a position to succeed. I'm not asking for a monster year out of Justin Fields, but they can't put him in some of the situations that he was put in last year. And... I'm not saying Fields was perfect by any means, but there were, I mean, you think back to that Cleveland game last year, which was a complete disaster, and they refused to adapt or change or anything. So, and I want to see the Bears be a well coached team. I've been saying this all offseason. They were not under the previous coaching regime. They would continue to get in their own way. Uh, they, They didn't have an edge to them. They had bad penalties. Play calling was questionable. Just be a well coached team. Go out, you know, Matt Eberflus has, has brings this hits principle to the Bears, and some rolled their eyes when he first talked about that in his open press conference. But this week, I mean, you've got Jalen Johnson and other guys talking about, yeah, we're buying into the hits principle. It's like hustle, intensity, takeovers, one other thing. I can't, re- can't remember, Matt. Um, but I just want to see a coaching staff help the players out and put them in positions to succeed. You know what? Football starts like every other sport, do not beat yourselves. If you don't beat yourselves, you'll win some games. I mean, we have two teams, obviously, in Chicago and baseball, and the White Sox have been a team that I know is like, they've been profoundly disappointed. Now, for the record, I'm an Oakland A's fan. You want to talk about disappointing? Watch that team. Okay. But hey, do you see those fans, is, by the way, the upper deck the other day? Finally, something <laughs> enjoyable happened in Oakland. Um, I mean, those people should be given a medal. But, you know what? The, the, the point is, you know, you start winning in sports. And I, and I use baseball as the analogy. When you stop beating yourself, when you, you know, it sounds so simple, but you know, whether it's baseball or football, in this case, like, catch the ball. Do your job. Just make the routine play. You know, in, in, in baseball, walk a bunch of guys. Make them hit it. Make them put it in play and catch the ball. In football, don't take penalties. You know, don't don't take a needless sack. You know, don't miss tackles. That right. stuff is little stuff. Right? Like, it's not something that's going to be a headline. Like, how many times does Chicago Tribune be like, Bears took two penalties today? I mean, it's not going to be on the front page of the news. But it's so important. When you beat yourselves, that's why I don't believe in the Cowboys at all. You can't stop taking penalties. The Cowboys will always beat themselves when it matters because it's what they do because they're not coached well. When, when you start to want to improve and get better, I guarantee you if the Bears limit penalties and they limit turnovers and they don't miss tackles, they will win some football. They may not be great. They may not be a playoff team because they're not talented enough yet, but they won't, they won't be a disaster. And I think for, for Everflus and, and, and for that team, that's what you want to see. You don't want to like, – and anyway, I believe in that hits philosophy. Like, you don't want to be out hustled. That's stuff you can – you can have no talent, but you can still hustle to the ball. You can be intense. I, I think a lot, you, know, you can prepare throughout the course of the week better than the other team does. That kind of stuff – that's why I look at the Patriots this year. I think the Patriots are completely talentless compared to most teams in the league. I really do. Like, I think they have a bottom 10 roster in football. But I guarantee you that team will win eight or nine games because they will just absolutely be a team from Monday through Saturday. And then they'll go out and they'll execute a meager plan and they'll find some way to win a football game because the other team will take 12 penalties and turn the ball over twice. And that'll be enough. I think if you're the Bears, you start with that stuff. And then once you have that foundation, then you can build up off of it. 
Hustle, intensity, takeaways, and playing smart. That's the hits principle. I just looked it up. I agree, and I feel like some of that stuff gets glossed over because we look at the the quarterback and the sexy stuff, right? The big plays, and they got to have explosive players, and it's kind of like you know easy to roll your eye at some of the coach speak and football talk and all of that. But we've seen it here in Chicago of this team getting in their own way. I think back to that Steelers game last year when Justin Fields was having a he was making huge plays. He was great that night. Right. He was phenomenal. That that was the stuff that I was like, okay, this this dude is trying to will his team to a victory. And then I can't remember the player who got too close to the ref and they threw a flag on him and then Pittsburgh got a free first down and the game was practically over after that. And we could talk about whether the flag should have been thrown or whatever. But either way, it was like it was so Bears, you know, it was so like where they were that that season in the past couple of years. It was just don't put yourself in those situations. So I, I think Matt Eberflus has continued to harp on that with this team that just play like play smart football. I just want to see that on the Chicago Bears. I understand if they don't have a talent, that's one thing. I think next off season they're they're probably going to add a ton of talent via free agency, and yeah. hopefully some of these younger guys can develop. Um, I guess any other thoughts about the the Bears? I, I might ask you a couple quick around the NFL questions, but anything stand out to you from Bears training camp uh, over the past month or so? I mean, not not a ton other than I will say this: I really again, he's got to stay healthy. But that kid Brisker, that yeah. kid can play. Mm-hmm. Like watching that kid and talking to people around the league, there is a powerful like okay, that guy, that guy can could be an intimidating presence on the back end. And in today's game, I know you can't drill a guy like you could 30 years ago and now it's a penalty, but it still matters. Mm-hmm. Like it, football from from now till the end of time will be a physical game. And when you can intimidate somebody like that, it matters. I think Brisker looks really, really promising. Um, but, I again, I really think this year for the Bears it's about development. It's about understanding where you're going um, and who you're going there with. And I do honestly believe a lot of that is the boring stuff that doesn't make headlines. You have to be able to execute. But the best coaches, a lot of times, are the ones who aren't the, the scheme guys. Who don't I mean, certainly helps to be that guy. But a lot of times, it's the Lombardis of the world. It's the Parcells of the world. I mean, Lombardi had like six plays in his playbook, but they just they were ruthlessly executed. Parcells took over how many teams were horrendous and instantly turn them into contenders with largely a lot of times the same roster. Well, they, they prepared better. They stopped making mistakes. He didn't accept it. If they made a mistake, he got benched. So like that, that kind of stuff, I think, is stuff that can be implemented in Chicago this year. And if it is, even if it doesn't pay off right away in wins, it will down the road. Yeah, and he's really pressing the, the takeaways, and I know some every coach is going to push that on the team, but they – you know they're going full blown takeaways or everything. Pick up the ball when it's on the ground, no matter what. All of that. Uh, Eddie Jackson is a guy I'm really interested to see how he fits into this defense. He he was such a big playmaker for the Bears. His first couple seasons was an All Pro. Had yep. uh, I think three total defensive um, interceptions turned into touchdowns. His first couple years. He got a big contract, hasn't been the same player, but the, the way they're stressing playmaking and turnovers and things like that, who knows? Maybe they can get more out of uh, Eddie Jackson this season as well. Around the NFL, I think last time I had you on was probably two months ago, and I asked you for your way-too-early Super Bowl pick. This isn't way-too-early. We're kind of early, three weeks out, but yeah, I think last time we talked, we, we named a few teams we thought could compete for a Super Bowl, and I still think it's going to be a great season with a lot of teams that can Um Chiefs, Bucks, Brady, where are you at right there with some of the top teams and 
Who is Matt Verderam's Super Bowl pick about three weeks out from the season? <laughs> well, my, my Super Bowl pick, I, I made a, a prediction for every game back in May when the schedule came out. I do it every year. Um, That's what it probably was. Probably need some kind of counseling. Uh, I, but I, I did it, and I had the Bills and the Bucks in the Super Bowl, but the Bills winning. I still am sticking with uh, the, the Bills winning the Super Bowl, and I'm going to stick with the Bucks. But I got to tell you, I am nervous about the Bucks. This has not been a banner off season. I, I, you lose Jensen now; Stinney's out for the year. Brady was on a hiatus, whatever you would like to call that. Um, Evans is dealing with a hamstring. It's okay, maybe not a huge deal, but you know they don't know if. If Godwin's going to play uh, early on, if he's recovering from his ACL, like you just kind of look at that and go, okay, not great. But I keep coming back to it's Brady, and I'm, I'm not counting him out. And that division is terrible. And if they get to the playoffs, I will take him over Aaron Rodgers in a big game 11 times out of 10. So I am sticking with Brady um, and the Bucks, But I think, I think the big storyline for me this year is just how – dominant the AFC is compared to the NFC. The AFC, I could make a real case. Now, you guys take the Browns out of it because I think with Washington spend a lot of games, they're not a contender. But if you look at that conference, I could make a real case for almost half the conference to get to the AFC championship game. I mean, Buffalo, the case is obvious. Cincinnati and Baltimore, you could certainly do it. I could make the case for Indianapolis. I could make the case for the entire AFC West. I'd probably have to stretch it a little bit to make the case for the Raiders, in my opinion, but I could do it. It's just an unbelievably deep conference where I just ripped off 18. One of those teams doesn't even make the playoff. And I didn't even include Tennessee, who was the number one seed last year, or the Dolphins, who everybody's really excited about. I'm not. Or Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. Yeah. Like, it's an unbelievable depth of conference, whereas the NFC – I think you got the Rams, the Packers, and the Bucks on one level. And then after that, it's like maybe the Niners, depending on Lance. And then a whole bunch of teams, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You want know, the Vikings and Saints in there, okay. Like, teams you look at and go, maybe. I don't know. It could be it could be 11-win teams. It could all be 7-win teams, right? And, and none of them have any shot in hell playing the Super Bowl unless a miracle happens. Um it, it just—it feels like a very imbalanced year. The AFC title game is going to just be unbelievable, um, based on how hard it was just to get to it. You look at the AFC West; it's just—it's unbelievable how loaded it is. You know, Russell going to Denver, KC, Chargers, Raiders getting Adams. Um, it's yeah. it's 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 loaded. I, I'm with you. The AFC is stacked this year. Uh, what's the deal with the Steelers' quarterback situation? How's our old friend doing there? Well, the Steelers, so that that's going to be one of the more interesting things to watch. By the way, the, the, a point on the AFC West, I think the Raiders, I just I think they're probably the worst team in the division. I think if you put them in the AFC South, they'd win the division. Oh, it yeah. just goes to show how insane that division is. Like, I, I, I think if you put the Colts, who I think are the best team in the South, if you put them in the West, I think they'd finish dead last. Um, I, I, the Steelers... The Steelers are really interesting because they're the only team in the first-round quarterback this year. Pickett has been excellent when he's played, but he's played against second and third string guys. Um, Trubisky seems like he's going to be the starter. He's been okay in the preseason. Now, part of the reason they might play him is because he is mobile, and he's going to have to be because they can't block anybody. So 
I think you're going to see a lot of handing off to Najee Harris. I think you're going to see a lot of Mitch on the run. Uh, I don't think he's going to start more games than Pickett throughout the year. I think Pickett will eventually get the nod. But if you're Trubisky, like you're going to get an opportunity, I, I would think. And frankly, the big thing for him is going to be don't turn it over. You've got a great defense. Even with that line, you should be able to run the ball some with Harris. You, they actually have weapons. I mean, they've, they've got good receivers, got a good tight end to Um But I think you know, the Steelers, kind of like I said earlier about the Patriots, and I think they're more talented than the Patriots, but you look at Pittsburgh, you're like, yeah, you don't have a quarterback I trust. The line's not good, but they have Tomlin, and they've got a really good defense, and if they just hang around long enough, and whoever the quarterback is just doesn't kill them, they can win games. I wonder if this year kind of shakes out like Trubisky had his, his year in the sun in Chicago where he doesn't have to do much, but that's fine because they're excellent defensively and they can, they can play that control-the-clock type of a game. I, I think Pickett will probably end up overtaking him uh, just because he's a first-round pick and all that. But Trubisky's probably going to start. And so he's going to have an opportunity. It's so funny hearing you talk about what Pittsburgh should do with Trubisky because it's pretty much the exact situation that he was in here in Chicago where it was like going into 2019, it was like, you know, run the ball, get Trubisky on the move, uh, don't force anything. And then the the offensive play calling just did not help out Trubisky. He was rarely on the move. The offensive line struggled. It was a complete disaster. But I, I wish him well in Pittsburgh. Um any other final thoughts before I let you go? It's already been about 30 minutes, Matt. I always tell you I could talk football with you all day. <laughs> no problem. I'm always happy to come on. Uh, no, I think I think it's going to be a really interesting year. Um, I think Buffalo's the favorite. I think Kansas City's probably about a half step behind Buffalo. I think they're the two best teams in football. Um, last year we saw what might have been the best game in NFL history, certainly one of them between those two teams. They play again in week six. I think there's a very good chance they're going to play again after that. Um, might be in Buffalo this time, which it has typically not been. It's been in Kansas City every time but one when Mahomes and Allen see each other. But I do think even beyond those teams, there's just a lot of depth in the league this year. I talked about already with the AFC. I mentioned those three teams, I think, at the top of the NFC. And the Niners can join them if Lance is good. Just um, you can look at the league, especially those years with New England, and you just go, well, they're the best team. They're the best team. Everybody's chasing them. Well, I think Buffalo is the best team. I think it's, it's really close. It's, you know, Buffalo is one unfortunate injury away or something from it being a, a, a tight race in hell, even maybe even falling behind a few teams. Um, I think this year is going to come down to a lot of injury luck, even more so than normal. Um, and, I, and I think it's going to come down to just the breach of the game because they'll be really like – they love to sell parry, and rightfully so – there's there's at least ten teams in the league this year that you could not really need to squint. So yeah, I could win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a ton when you consider ten teams a third of the league. And I, I think that's that's where we are in the NFL. I think there's just a lot of teams, more so in the AFC and the NFC, but certainly some of the NFC that you could say, yeah, they could win the Super Bowl, and it, it wouldn't be anything crazy for it to happen. That's Matt Verderam from Fansided, national NFL reporter. Always great talking to you, Matt. I appreciate it, man. Ain't a problem. Anytime. And that was episode 39 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thanks to Matt for jumping on. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Brian Alzheimer and Ernie Scatton for their help producing the podcast as well. Football, so close. Just a few weeks away. College football gets going this week. 
Thank you again for listening. This was episode 39 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.